This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Congress will be voted out of office today in a Democratic primary, pitting U.S. Rep. Jerry Nadler against U.S. Rep. Carolyn Maloney. The unusual battle between incumbents is the result of a redistricting process that lumped Nadler's home base on the west side of Manhattan together with Maloney's on the east side. Neither was willing to run in another part of the city. Nadler and Maloney are joined in the race by Siraj Patel, a lawyer and lecturer at New York University. A new training complex will be developed at the Broom Tioga Bosey's main campus in the town of Dickinson. $1.3 million in state funding has been approved for the trades facility that is planned at the Glenwood Road site. New York State Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty visited the BOCES campus Monday afternoon to announce the project. The complex is to provide training for heavy equipment operators, truck drivers, electricians, masons, and carpenters. State police say a 17-year-old Otsego County girl died after the car she was driving slammed into a tree. Investigators say Mackenzie Strait of Maryland, New York, was pronounced dead at the scene of the crash. The incident happened around noon Sunday on County Highway 42 in the town of Maryland. Police say the vehicle had been southbound when it went off the roadway and struck a tree. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram on Monday announced the city will partner with CARES Advocates for Families Incorporated to provide 1,000 backpacks filled with school supplies to the city of Binghamton students. Cram saying back-to-school shopping puts a significant financial burden on families and rising costs are forcing more parents to choose between school supplies and other necessities. Too often it falls unfairly on our teachers to provide the supplies that some families can't. The city is partnering again with CARES to ease the burden on families and teachers and help make sure every child in Binghamton has the supplies they need to learn and grow. One of those events will take place tomorrow. From noon to 2 p.m. at Recreation Park, Saratoga Apartments Community Center, and Carlisle Hills Apartments Community Center. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul has announced a $150 million expansion to the state's tuition assistance program. New York's tuition assistance program will now provide assistance to 75,000 additional students who are pursuing degrees part-time, taking between 6 and 11 credits per semester. Students can apply for part-time TAP this semester by filling out the federal FAFSA application, and students who have already enrolled and submitted their FAFSA for this academic year will automatically receive TAP awards based on the number of credit hours they're enrolled in. Thousands of asylum seekers from across Latin America and the Caribbean are getting caught in the political battle over U.S. immigration policy after two Republican governors started sending busloads of migrants to New York City and Washington. Border cities, such as San Diego, have long wrestled with influxes of asylum seekers and created well-oiled machines to respond, but the nation's largest city and its capital were caught flat-footed. That created an opening for Greg Abbott of Texas and Doug Ducey of Arizona. Nearly 8,000 migrants have arrived on the state-sponsored bus trips, straining the resources and humanitarian services of both cities, which have also sought assistance from the federal government. On August 18th, troopers out of State Police Warsaw arrested Sir Christian Malone, 26 of Ithaca, for introducing contraband into a prison, forgery in the second degree, offering a false instrument in the first degree, and criminal impersonation. On August 18th, troopers were dis- dispatched to assist 
New York State Department of Corrections at Wyoming Correctional Facility, with a subject in custody for promoting prison contraband. Malone was taken into custody and transported to state police Warsaw for processing. During processing, it was determined that Malone had used false identification and signed official documents with another name. Malone was arraigned in the town of Attica Court for charges and released. He is set to return to the town of Attica Court in September 2022. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Right now about 67 degrees, 95% humidity and cloudy. Showers and thunderstorms likely today, then showers and possibly a thunderstorm after 3 p.m. Patchy, dense fog before 10 a.m., a high near 77 degrees, chance of rain 80%. Tonight, scattered showers before 8 p.m., patchy, dense fog before 1 a.m., then patchy, dense fog after 2 a.m., otherwise mostly cloudy, a low near 61 degrees, a 30% chance of rain. Tomorrow, patchy, dense fog before 9 a.m., otherwise mostly sunny with a high near 84 degrees. Thursday, sunny with a high near 87 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. I'm Bob Joseph. It's Tuesday morning. Live and local, 607-772-1290. Dial in and speak. What's on your mind this morning? Again, the number is 607-772-1290. If you'd like to talk about all of your favorite things, you may also email the program, bob at wnbf.com. morning it is. Uh, it appears that most of us got through the rain yesterday with nary a problem. A few places in New York, New Jersey that wound up with some issues. Today we will have some more rain, but not nearly as much as we enjoyed on Monday. According to the forecast, maybe a tenth to a quarter of an inch today. Then if you look ahead, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday are going to be mostly sunny. Imagine that, mostly sunny again. It seems to me this might be the sunniest summer in recent memory. I think Dave Nicosia from the National Weather Service alluded to that when he was speaking yesterday. So that's good news. That's great news. Um, of course, we're still dealing with a precipitation deficit, I believe. I believe we are. But anyway, I know some people will differ. If you think we have enough precipitation, okay. <laughs> I don't know. You can't, 
you can't be sure. You can't be sure what people will think when you make a reference to precipitation deficits. I would say look at the crops and the lawns around here, and you would say there may in fact be a precipitation deficit. It's 913 at News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. It is primary day. The polls are now open. Have you voted? For those who are able to vote in a primary, I am proud to say that I can't vote in a primary. They won't let me because I'm not registered with a political party. So even if I wanted to vote in a primary today, I could go to my local polling place and they could look me straight in the eye and say, Raj, you can't vote. And I would say, but I want to vote. I'm an American. I should be allowed to participate in a primary. (laughs) Yes, it would be nice, but... In New York State, the primaries are only open to enrolled members of a specific party. So if you have thoughts about the election, oh, look, somebody's here. Hi. Is that for me? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, It's like, like in the old days in school. We would hand each other notes. (laughs) Of course, we hand each other notes here on WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. Let's commence in the delightful village of Leicestershire with Carol. Good morning. Yes, Leicestershire. Uh, You know what I like on my hamburger over at the stadium? A little bit of Leicestershire sauce. Oh, gee whiz. (laughs) You're too much. Uh, I've been meaning to ask this. I, I think about the question when I'm hearing it on the radio, and then I forget to call and ask. But I finally, like a light bulb went off. I had an epiphany moment. Okay, I'll call Bob and ask him about the EJ that follows the 9211 EJ when you're talking about, not you, but when the uh, commercial comes on about the FM station. But I, I know EJ, I mean, you, you can select your own. It certainly has a nostalgic feel, sound, I should say. It does, though, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So, so what are the things that you know? I, I had it memorized, uh, but now I just I got excited and I forgot. Did they say nine two one one EJ? Let me see. I don't have it written down, but let's let's listen together, shall we? I'd love to. Okay, everybody, everybody at home, sit back and listen together to WNBF's official legal ID. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. Oh, I got my duplication mixed up. It's 221, not 11, whatever. W221EJ. Right. I have never seen call letters be, uh, not be, but have a number in it. W, whatever. That's because that's special, because it's for the FM. Because it's for the FM 92.1 station, W221EJ. 
So I was just wondering what kind of latitude you have when in selecting, you know, call letter numbers. You know, the weird thing about that is we what? didn't we didn't choose it. That was that was at random from the FCC. We are you we kidding? No, I'm not. When I first oh heard goodness. it, because we went we went on FM several months ago, and I knew it was coming. I had been waiting for us to get on at 92.1 FM for quite a while, and when it finally happened, the kid who's in charge of call letters told me, he said, oh, it's W221EJ, and instantly, instantly, I perked up and I said, are you kidding me, W221EJ? Well, you and, think I didn't perk up? Well, I think everybody who grew up around here with EJ perked up when they first heard it. And I pointed out to the person who handed me the call letters, I said, you won't believe this because he didn't grow up around here. So he's not familiar with the history of Endicott Johnson. I said, you won't believe it. That's going to make a lot of people happy. Because E.J. represents all that's good with America and, and had such a big part of our um, history around here. So, yeah, it was completely by chance that the FCC assigned those call letters to our FM translator. Well, don't you just love when you get a call that is non-combative? <laughs> I do. I do. And, I, you know, it's interesting because I'm looking at, because I wrote this story November 30th, so... I can't do math. So how many months ago? Oh, 21. So that was nine, that was about nine, was it nine months ago? Nearly nine months ago. And I put the story about our new FM frequency, 92.1. And one of the final things I included in the story, because I thought people would find it interesting, I said the new translators FCC assigned call letters are W221EJ. And just to be cute, on our website, in the story, I put EJ, just those letters, bold. Because I knew that would resonate with some people. I didn't put any other explanation. You're the first person who actually has called the program to ask about it. So I thank you. took took a few months, but I'm glad somebody brought it up. it, well, it was always there, but right. I would always think of it at the wrong, most inopportune time of day. <laughs> you know what we want to do is get enough money together. If we get enough, if we can raise a thousand dollars this hour, we'll be able to afford to get a new jingle because they record all the jingles in Dallas at a place called Jam. We'll get uh, John Wolfert and his crew down in in Dallas if we send him a thousand dollars to record a jingle. W two two one E J Binghamton well, Endicott. You know, I just I wasn't. This is another thing that I was always in the back of my mind to call about. And when you said about raising a thousand dollars, is there some way we can get Mike Gallagher off the air and substitute him with? Uh, the, I was going to say Brian Crenshaw. The uh, Brian Kilmer. Right. Can we do uh, sure. like a one or two days? Oh, I am so sick of Gallagher talking about him being in a musical, uh, losing weight, raising money for all these funds and drives. And he's saying, oh, you, know, you can part with $100. Are you kidding me? Where's, what planet did this guy come from? I, I can't stand the guy. He's very arrogant. You're talking about very, Gallagher? Yeah. Mike Gallagher? Yeah. Very arrogant. 
You know, I've noticed that too. I'm glad. See, you're bringing no, up some important things because when I drive around and I hear Mike Michael Gallagher on the station, I think nobody should be that arrogant and have a show. I thought that for years back when he was on years ago. I don't even know who who took his place when he went off the air, but. Uh, I thought the only thing I could think of is when he comes on and then he gets cut off because there's a ball game. Uh, on, this is on Saturday, you know. Saturday. Yeah, whenever that, whenever he's on, I always wish they would start the ball game about two hours earlier. Well, I'm kidding. I love him, but he's arrogant. Your point that he's arrogant—that's true. Well, I'm, especially when he talks about being in a musical. I mean, uh, you know, anybody can be in a musical. And he's always raising money. He's always having these two thousand, three thousand, four thousand dollar trips, uh, you know, uh, overseas. Uh, and, and I have nothing against Israel, uh, nothing whatsoever. Trust me. Uh, I, in fact, I just gave a friend of mine a gift because it was made in Israel. Okay, and uh, I, I just, uh, but he's always like fundraising. Now, if, if in the next hour. If if a hundred people can call, not a hundred, whatever it was, yeah, I think a hundred people can call in and, and donate a hundred dollars. We'll raise a thousand dollars for such and such a thing for for uh, food, food for you know poverty stricken people. But uh, I, I I don't know. I, I I'm just I'm mumbling. I mean not mumbling. I'm just uh, you know rambling. I should say. So uh, I put in a vote. I want to start. I want to start a vote. Brian Kilmeade, I don't care if he's like two, three, four days old, because even the red-eye guys on Saturday morning, which brings up another question. Oh, ask. Please ask. Uh, I'm dying to ask. This is another one that's always inopportune times of day, I think of it. The the fact that uh, First Light is gone, okay, who chooses which segment of their hours-long show to play as a repeat? Uh, on the weekends, especially. On the weekends... Uh, like in the morning when they were going into, you know, 5, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Some, well, not 7 o'clock because uh, Bill Flynn comes on. But does it is it their station that determines it, or is it WNBF? Well, it must be them. Because they talk about things that, like it's Friday and they'll be saying right. things like about Tuesday. And Gallagher is even later. I mean, he was talking about... He had a show on over the weekend, Bob, that was on Veterans Day. It was a Veterans Day. He was talking about Veterans Day parade and all these things that were going on in the world historically. It's wild. It's wild. I, I'll uh, I'll make note of your suggestion. How about this? Dave from uh, Quinnyville writes on Twitter, how about bringing Jim Bohannon back? That would be a perfect replacement show for that Gallagher. Oh, my God. Anything. Jim Bohannon, I like him. It, yes, but I like Brian Kilmeade more. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll have um, we'll have a battle, a battle to see who gets the slot. Nine twenty four WNBF, the station that truly does care about the nation. Brenda, good morning. You're on the air. Yeah, good morning. No, just wanted to talk about the weather. It's been the hottest summer here in this county. Uh, but the leaves are starting to change a little bit. But I don't know. I think we'll have a warm fall. You know why they're changing, though? It's not It's not because it's fall. Do you know why the leaves actually are, are changing color a bit? Because it's been so dry. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Here I here I thought I knew it all, but you know at least as much. No, you know more than I do. 
But anyway, hopefully we have a good produce of pumpkins for the fall, you know. You know what they already have out now? Pumpkin beer. They have pumpkin <laughs> pumpkin coffee, pumpkin beer. The only thing they don't have out is pumpkin pie. I want pumpkin pie. Oh, I love pumpkin pie with a little bit of Cool Whip on it and some ice cream. Oh, to die for. Oh. Well, you know what I want on mine? And, and again, it's personal preference. I want rich, natural topping, not not Cool Whip, because I don't know what's in Cool Whip. Who knows? Have you ever looked at the ingredients? It's Pali Sorbet 80. Yeah, well, anyway, pumpkin pie is very good, though. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Anyway, I hope that we have a good fall. I, I, I hope it stays a little warm for a while. I'm not ready for the winter yet. <laughs> oh, think about this. Four, four months from now, we're going to be shoveling snow. Yeah, I don't want to think about it. Remember, anyway. when we when we received our 50 inches of snow, that was on April 20th, or August no, <laughs> April. No, that was on uh, December 20th. No, December 18th. So yeah, about 100 days from now, we could wind up with three or four feet of snow. So think about that. Yeah. Time to get the winter tires and get the cars ready. Huh? Oh, yeah. You know what you should do is on your tires, ask him to put in the studs. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that way, that way you can help. You can help wreck the pavement, and that way they can they can raise their taxes next year because all the pavement's been wrecked by radio listeners using studded tires. That's funny. You're you're cracking me up, Bob. I can't take it. <laughs> Thank you. Have a good day. You know, let's wreck all of New York State's pavement. Let's make a plan starting September first to put studded tires on our cars and trucks, especially if you have a heavy. SUV or a big truck. Make sure you put studded tires on them. That way we could see how much damage we can inflict on the pavement over the next six months. Larry from Kirkwood, good morning. As my dear sister-in-law Linda would say, hush, how dare you talk about snow? Shout you about, boy. Hey, I'll talk about snow. I don't care how much it snows. I, You know what? When we got 45 inches of snow, I just laughed. It was snowing like seven inches an hour at three in the morning. Because somebody said, somebody told me, well, the kid on TV, uh, the weather boy, uh, Johnny the weather boy on TV on the 11 o'clock show said, well, we're going to get between six and 12 inches of snow. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll just go to sleep. And for some reason, the dog woke me up. One of the dogs woke me up at three, and and it was like seven inches an hour. And I'm thinking, I wanted to call Johnny from the TV and say, man, your forecast busted, buddy. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, anyway, along those lines, I guess, I have noticed I'm leaving uh, on the ground in the last several days. It's like, oh, dang, it's starting to happen. Of course, my sister Lori loves fall. It's her favorite time of year, but uh, for me, it just means winter's coming. But yeah. anyway, let me get back to my main point. She was, that one lady was talking about Mac Gallagher being arrogant. Are you kidding me? He's the nicest, sweetest, most humble guy in the world. <laughs> You're listening now, to the wrong Mike Gallagher. Maybe you have your radio just, upside he down. Be exuberant. But he's a wonderful guy, wonderful Christian man. Well, I know he's exuberant, but he doesn't have to, you know, foist it on us like that. You know, that kind of exuberance could be misconstrued. 
know, and I know it gets a little bit tiring hearing him talk about being on Broadway a lot, you know. I, I think sometimes I think to myself, okay, you can stop talking about that. But, okay, that's just the life he lives, you know. All right. He likes Broadway. All right. By the way, I, I made a mistake in that last call. Did you hear I was talking about cool whips? Cool whips? No, I never Yeah, because she was talking, or no, it was Brenda who was talking about pumpkin pie, and I think she said she wanted Cool Whips on it, and I want just natural dairy toppings. I thought Cool Whips, uh, they made it with polysorbate 80, but you know what? I looked it up, and I got it wrong. It's actually polysorbate 60. Mm. So the reason they don't use polysorbate 80 is it would cost too much. Yeah, polysorbate is pretty much everything. They, they had. Yeah, and look what else they put in it. Uh, polysorbate 60, sorbitan monsterate, and sodium polyphosphate. I mean, it's no wonder it tastes so good. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? By, by the way, pumpkin pie. Oh, oh give me a pumpkin pie any day, oh, man. My goodness. Give me two of them. I'll wolf them down. Yeah, give, give me a pumpkin pie or give me death. Lots of whipped cream, baby. Real whipped cream. Not not anything with polysorbate 60 or sorbitan monosterate. Thank you. That's Larry and Kirkwood. Thank you so much. WNBF at 9.30. Let me do an official ID. I don't do this often, but many people have asked me to do the official ID. You're listening to WNBF 1290 AM and W221EJ. 92.1 FM, Binghamton. Remember, W221EJ, Binghamton and Aca- that, That's just in my imagination. I can't put it on the air because people would cancel my show. Now, without further ado, I say good morning to Karen Sweet O'Neill. W221EJ. Good morning, Bob. Hi, Karen Sweet O'Neill. Hi, Bob Joseph. I'm going to start calling myself Bob Sweet Joseph. <laughs> It'll never fly. No, it won't. <laughs> Even just the first time, as soon as it, it, it certainly, it sounds, sounds suspect. It sounds almost as artificial as polysorbate 60. Oh, man, what is that? It's, they put it. That's, that's why people love Cool Whips, because of, not because of the sugar, because they put polysorbate 60 into it. Oh, yum. <laughs> mm, give me more. Hey, hey, Mr. Pharmacist, give me more polysorbate 60. That's the problem these days. Kids are injecting themselves with polysorbate 60, and it's no wonder they're acting smart. I'm telling you. All right. Anyway. We read all the ingredients. We wouldn't need anything. <sighs> oh, my gosh. You know, one time I was looking at, they have this stuff in the cheese aisle over at the store. They call it cheese food or imitation cheese product. And uh-huh. you look at the ingredients on those. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I Karen. know exactly what you mean. Ooh. You know, makes, poly- yeah, makes polysorbate 60 sound healthy. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's not why you called. You're uh, calling yeah. to give us a preview of tomorrow's special segment. What will you be discussing tomorrow morning? Tomorrow morning, we are going to talk about uh, one of the mailers that's been circulating about uh, a Medicare Part B reduction notice, and it looks very official, Bob, um, and it's being mailed 
to people that are on Medicare. And this particular mailer was for an American turning age 71, but it'll be age, you know, 60, uh, 68, 69, 70, you know, depending on where they're sending the correspondence. And what it is is an advertisement to encourage people to contact them, whether it be by, you know, a prepaid postage that they can fill out their name, their phone number, date of birth, and all of that, or they actually give, you know, which is even easier and a faster response, an 800 number. So we're going to talk about why this would be a really bad idea and uh, why we encourage people not to respond just willy-nilly when they get um, any kind of notifications in the mail because the goal, Bob, is for it to look very official so that you think, well, I better I better do this because if I don't do this, I might miss out on, you know, that $70 a month reduction in my Medicare Part B premium. So we're going to talk in depth a little bit more about that because people get fooled all the time and then it just goes and it escalates and it, there's a domino effect involved. So. That's what we're talking about. All right. Well, I can't guarantee much, but the one thing I can and will guarantee is I will be here tomorrow morning. Mm, God willing. Well, of course. Well, yeah. I hope me too. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, we, we can all plan, but again, in the end, uh-huh. we aren't the final arbiter. We're not in charge. No. We are certainly not in charge. Yeah, no, but yeah, but, but we, we approach every day with enthusiasm, no matter what time we get up. If I'm getting up at 1 in the morning or 2 in the morning, I still approach it with the same degree of enthusiasm. Because <laughs> you're delirious. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Karen. You, no, I just couldn't. You left that wide open. Yeah, but, you know, you hit, like they say, you hit the nail right on the head. You didn't hear me refute it, did you? <laughs> I did not. No, so. so what if somebody wants to reach at me? Or oh, yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. If if somebody wants to get in touch with you, is is there a way they could contact you today? They can. They can uh, call us at Karen Sweet O'Neill Insurance Solutions. Our number is 607-772-4800. 98. We are taking open enrollment appointments, which is October 15th to December 7th. Um, they can Google us at KSO Insurance, Bob. All our contact information comes up. Or we are right up on the parkway, 1708 Vestal Parkway East, right above Plato's Closet and Style Encore. Karen Sweet O'Neill, we shall talk again tomorrow morning around 920. Very good. Have a great day, Bob. Thank you. 935, Bob Joseph at the controls here. Taking calls, 607-772-1290. If you wish to email, please do so, bob at wnbf.com. This is a live and local program. I have no script. I have no agenda except to provide you with a proper public forum to express your concerns. So go ahead, express them. I'm here till noon on WNBF. 1290 AM, 92.1 FM, and always available on the free WNBF app. You want
WNBF, yes, they still have pay phones somewhere in Kyoto. 9.39 as we uh, continue to move forward with the wide world of information. I love to look back. There was a, a great story, and it was a long time ago. So, you know, if you don't like things that happened a long time ago, you know, you may want to tune in to Mike Gallagher. <laughs> Mike Gallagher. Anyway, what happened, there was a time, I won't mention the year, when the newspaper, remember when the newspaper actually had lots and lots of reporters and photographers and editors? So this is the local newspaper. This, What I'm about to tell you is not anything that happened with the New York Times. This is actually something that happened with the newspaper here in Binghamton. So they got a tip. Some of the best stories, the best stories... Uh, from a news standpoint, sometimes are the result of tipsters. You know, they call and say, hey, you know, you should check into this. So what happens, and believe it or not, it was on a Friday afternoon. So they got a tip late in the afternoon on a Friday. By the way, this is so long ago, you could actually call the newspaper when it was called the evening press, you could call a newspaper to their newsroom when they actually had a newsroom. <laughs> Again, they don't have a newsroom anymore, but they they did back then. So it was a newsroom with phones, and somebody answered the phone in their newsroom, and they heard from a tipster who said something to the effect that the sludge from the Endicott Sewage Treatment Plant is being dumped directly into the Susquehanna River. So there it is, a Friday afternoon in August, no less. I know people are saying nobody is in the office on Friday afternoons, especially in August. But in this case, at the Binghamton newspaper, back when they had a newsroom and many reporters and photographers and editors, they're actually... Or a few people in the newsroom at about 4.20 or so on a Friday afternoon in August. And a tipster called in and said, Sludge is being illegally dumped into the Susquehanna River from the Endicott Sewage Treatment Plant. So they got into their newsmobile and went over to the sewage treatment plant. And... They were promptly arrested by Endicott police. Now, the good news is, this could never happen today. Because if you call in a tip to the Press and Sun Bulletin, A, they have no newsroom, so you can't speak with anyone. And plus, they don't have enough reporters or photographers or editors, so they wouldn't be able to get in their newsmobile. Oh, they don't have a newsmobile either, to go to the Endicott Sewage Treatment Plant to take pictures of the sludge being dumped into the river. But anyway, they did go to the sewage treatment plant, then the cops arrested them. It's true. Endicott police arrested Michael Foldis, Chuck Haup, and Scott Anderson um, because they were reporting. And they were charged with trespassing because they wanted to document what was going on with the sludge. 
that a tipster said was being possibly illegally dumped into the Susquehanna River. So the Endicott cops decided the best thing we can do is to arrest these journalists. Isn't that amazing? So that's what they did. They also, see, this is the weird part. They went to the place and they called the state police. They went to the sewage treatment plant with a state trooper because they wanted the state trooper to observe what they were doing because they had no criminal intent. But the state trooper, who, by the way, now works in a law enforcement position locally, the state trooper understood that because it was the Endicott sewage treatment plant was not really his jurisdiction, so he called the Endicott cops, and then the Endicott cops went over to the sewage treatment plant to talk with the three people from the newspaper who were simply reporting, based on a tip, and the cops said, hey, why don't you come with us to the station? And, of course, the assistant city editor, imagine that, the newspaper had an assistant city editor, a photographer, and a photography intern went to the police station to talk with the cops, and then at the police station they got arrested for trespass, criminal trespass. But at least they tried. They did. They were trying to find out if sludge was being dumped illegally into the Susquehanna River from the sewage treatment plant. And instead of the Endicott police being grateful for the journalists doing their job to make sure nothing illegal was going on, the Endicott police charged all three of them with third-degree criminal trespass. But again, the good news is, in 2022, that could never happen. Because we don't have local journalists who will do that anymore. If you call in a tip on a Friday afternoon to the news newspaper, first of all, nobody answers the phone, so you can't call in a tip. But there aren't any reporters left to go check it out. So if Endicott or Johnson City or Binghamton or Vestal, if they're doing something illegal or unethical, there won't be a journalist to try to check it out. So there are no more checks and balances. But the good news is that means the police won't be arresting journalists anymore because there really aren't that many journalists left to arrest. So, that's no, interesting. I just happened to notice that. So he's going through uh, some old news stories. Back when investigative journalism was still alive. It's 946 News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Your new career.
mercy, mercy me. Now, things ain't what they used to be, but they're better, aren't they? They're better because we have Netflix. We don't have a lot of that other stuff from the um, bad old days, but we do have Netflix, so... That makes it good. 9.50 WNBF, Sandy in Port Dickinson. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Um, I just wanted two subjects, uh, and I'll be quick. Uh, first of all, voting today. People, please go out and vote. Uh, we live in the greatest country in the world, and it's not going to be great much longer if we don't go out and vote for the right people to get in office. That's all I'm going to say about that. And But I wanted to talk about your news on your broadcast about both these and having the trade school being built there. And uh, of all our tax money that has been spent in this state from all us hard-earning people, and some of it, most of it, frittered away or put into politicians' pockets, but the BOCES program is one of the best programs I have heard of spending our money on in a long time. It's long overdue. We have children, boys, girls that don't go to college or can't afford to go to college or just don't want to. And a trade program like that, if it comes to fruition, uh, it'll be the best thing around here for our kids. And I heartily clap my hands and saying, uh, for once, our tax money is well spent. That's all I have to say. Oh, thank you. Well, have you voted? Uh, I'm on my way. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for voting. Thank you for uh, exercising your right. I appreciate yeah. that. I respect it. And uh, really hope that you have a great day. Thanks for calling in. Okay. Thanks, Bob. 952 WNBF. Indeed it is primary election day so if you are able to if you're eligible to vote go out and vote heck heck go out and vote i would i can't as i said i'm not registered with a party so i can't vote i'm not complaining that's the the law in new york state that's fine by me i mean it's different in some other states some other states have different primary rules so i'm not complaining oh you will never hear me complain not on this station Dave from Vestal, good morning. Yeah, good morning there, Bob. Hey, you know, Friday and yesterday you had a, a, a caller, uh, we, a pretty popular one. He calls quite a bit. I know you want you don't want us to use their names, but you'll know who it is. Um, for two and a half years, absolutely nobody at all called in tooting Biden's horn because there's been nothing to toot about. And uh, Friday and Monday you'd have this one particular gentleman um, I, I let it pass on Friday because I figured maybe he was just delirious, but he's talking about how great Biden's doing. Well, he is oh, doing great. Look look at the last doing, several days. I would say Brandon's on a roll. I mean, he is the dark Brandon. It's almost as though, I don't know if, if he felt finally that uh, people had been kicking him for like the last 15 months, and he finally decided, hey, man, I'll show you. I'm going to string together a bunch of wins, and that's what he's done. Well, NBC had that poll out 75%. Three-quarters of the country, Bob, says they don't like where the hunt, the country's heading, the direction we're Well, who do you think? Like come on, Dave. 
Come Who on. do you think runs those polls? It's 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 not it's not by good American people. They're, they probably outsourced them to some cheapskate place in in Bangalore because they can do it more efficiently by paying the pollsters a fraction of what good Americans would be paid. Well. The caller also stated that Republicans do nothing. They're a do-nothing party. Oh, we're, we're not in power right now. And Bob, and he wants to know when we're going to unite. Unite around what? Democrat rule with their stupid policies. With you No, know, we don't agree with anything that they want to do. So why would we, we unite with their ideas? They keep saying elections have consequences. Well, that doesn't mean that you have to vote for bills that are totally asinine, that are going to continue to hurt the country. Well, I I don't get that. I don't get his philosophy there. Do you? I don't get anything. I'm confused. (laughs) Dave from Vestal, I'm just confused. I don't get... Things are so complicated. The only thing I understand is that they now put polysorbate 60 into my cool whips. <laughs> hey, Bob, real quick before I go. The worst thing they could have added to that bill, because it's going to kill them, is all those extra IRS agents. That's because nobody's going to believe that when they say, we're not coming after the little people. Oh, no, they're saying that because they want their votes. But once they... You know, <laughs> you know, first of all, most of the people that are going to be added to the IRS are not are not the people, the investigators. They're actually support people. The IRS overall, the number of people working for the Internal Revenue Service is down dramatically over the last several years, so they need their forces replenished. And they also need new computers. They have antiquated equipment. It's almost as bad as the stuff we have here. I believe that, but you don't double the agents. They're going money hunting, Bob. Uh, people should be very scared. And should- You know, the only people who should be very scared of the IRS, if they're really money hunting, which they probably are, is the people who have lots of money. People like you and me, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear, even if the Internal Revenue Service was able to determine we didn't pay any of our federal taxes that were due, it wouldn't be worth their while. They're going to go after the big fish, the corporate tax cheaters. Small business, middle class. No, no, they're going to go after big business. They're going to go after the oil companies. They're going to go after these companies that are proud of paying sometimes zero federal taxes. They're going to bring justice to the tax system. Nah, they, they have lawyers that would fight. They'll keep things tied up. They'll never get money out of them. It'll take forever to do that. But the little people that can't afford lawyers, they're going to take it right out of your pocket. Or they may take your house. They may take everything you own. No, the Internal Revenue Service won't take a thing of mine because I don't violate the tax laws. I adhere to every tax law and pay every cent that's due, so I don't have anything to fear. The people who have good reason to fear new people being added to the Internal Revenue Service are people who aren't paying their taxes. If you pay what you owe... You'll be in mighty fine shape. You don't have a thing to worry about. You can sleep like a champ. Coming up, more conversation on this Tuesday morning. Bob Joseph with you on WNBF and WNBF.com. Did you get insurance with Allstate and be better protected from mayhem like me? 
Based on coverage and limits selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF Binghamton at 10 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. It's 10.04 on this Tuesday, August 23rd. At least one of New York City's most veteran members of Congress will be voted out of office Tuesday in a Democratic primary, pitting U.S. Representative Jerry Nadler against U.S. Representative Carolyn Maloney. The unusual battle between incumbents is the result of a redistricting process that lumped Nadler's home base on the west side of Manhattan together with Maloney's on the east side. Neither was willing to run in another part of the city. Nadler and Maloney are joined in the race by Siraj Patel, a lawyer and lecturer at New York University. A new training complex will be developed at the Broom Tioga BOCES main campus in the town of Dickinson. $1.3 million in state funding has been approved for the trades facility that is planned at the Glenwood Road site. New York State Assembly Speaker Carl Hasey visited the BOCES campus Monday afternoon to announce the project. The complex is to provide training for heavy equipment operators, truck drivers, electricians, masons, and carpenters. State police say a 17-year-old Otsego County girl died after the car she was driving slammed into a tree. The investigators say Mackenzie Strait of Maryland, New York, was pronounced dead at the scene of the crash. The incident happened around noon Sunday on County Highway 42 in the town of Maryland. Police say the vehicle had been southbound when it went off the roadway and struck a tree. City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram on Monday announced the city will partner with CARES Advocates for Families Incorporated to provide 1,000 backpacks filled with school supplies to the City of Binghamton students. Mayor Cram said back-to-school shopping puts a significant financial burden on families and rising costs are forcing more parents to choose between school supplies and other necessities. Too often it it falls unfairly on our teachers to provide the supplies that some families can't. The city is partnering again with CARES to ease the burden on families and teachers and help make sure every child in Binghamton has the supplies they need to learn and grow. One event scheduled for tomorrow from noon to 2 p.m. will take place at Recreation Park, Saratoga Apartments Community Center, and Carlisle Hills Apartments Community Center. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul announced a $150 million expansion to the state's tuition assistance program. New York's tuition assistance program will now provide assistance to 75,000 additional students who are pursuing degrees part-time, taking between 6 and 11 credits per semester. Students can apply for part-time TAP this semester by filling out the federal FAFSA application, and students who have already enrolled and submitted their FAFSA for this academic year will automatically receive TAP awards based on the number of credit hours they're enrolled in. Thousands of asylum seekers from across Latin America and the Caribbean are getting caught in the political battle over U.S. immigration policy after two Republican governors started sending busloads of migrants to New York City and Washington. Border cities such as San Diego have long wrestled with influxes of asylum seekers and and created well-oiled machines to respond, but the nation's largest city and its capital were caught flat-footed. That created an opening for Greg Abbott of Texas and Doug Ducey of Arizona. Nearly 8,000 migrants have arrived on the state-sponsored bus trips, straining the resources and humanitarian services of both cities, which have also sought assistance from the federal government. On August 18th, troopers out of State Police Warsaw arrested Sir Christian Malone, 26, of Ithaca, New York, for introducing contraband into a prison. 
Troopers were dispatched to assist at Wyoming Correctional Facility with a subject in custody for promoting prison contraband. Malone was taken into custody and transported to State Police Warsaw for processing. During processing, it was determined that Malone had used false identification and signed official documents with another name. Malone was arraigned in the town of Attica Court for charges and released. Lawyers for former President Donald Trump have asked a federal judge to prevent the FBI from continuing to review documents recovered from his Florida estate until a neutral special master can be appointed. The attorneys asserted Monday in a court filing, their first since the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago two weeks ago, that the sets of documents taken from the residents were presumptively covered by executive privilege. They say the matter has captured the attention of the American public and safeguards are needed to protect Trump's constitutional rights. The filing cast the August 8th search as a shockingly aggressive move. It's 10.09. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Right now about 69 degrees, 89% humidity and cloudy. Today, showers and thunderstorms likely, then showers and possibly a thunderstorm after 3 p.m., a high near 77 degrees and 80% chance of rain. Tonight, scattered showers before 8 p.m., patchy dense fog before 1 a.m., then patchy dense fog after 2 a.m., otherwise mostly cloudy, a low near 61 degrees, a 30% chance of rain. Wednesday, mostly sunny with a high near 84, and Thursday, sunny with a high near 87 degrees. You're listening to WMBF for News Breaks First, News Radio 1290, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WNBF. WNBF, live on a Tuesday morning with Bob Joseph, your radio buddy, 607... 772-1290. If you'd like to talk on News Radio WNBF. We encourage you to participate. Don't be shy. Some people are shy. Well, I don't know if I should really call into the program. Maybe maybe he'll disagree. Oh, come on, man. Even if I disagree, I won't be very disagreeable. And you can also, if you're really afraid of calling in, you can email bob at wnbf.com. Let me uh, see if there's any email here I should read on the air. Oh, here's one. Ron from Binghamton. (laughs) He wants me to do something about Governor Abbott. Governor Abbott. What can you say about Governor Abbott that hasn't already been said? Now, Governor Abbott from Texas is um, indeed somebody who really ought to be interviewed on a good program like this. I think he's been interviewed on a lot of other programs, but he's never been interviewed on this program. So, Governor, (laughs) Governor Abbott... With him, he wants to cause as much trouble for the so-called blue states and blue cities as possible. So if he can cause any kind of aggravation 
in some part of the East United States controlled by Democrats, well, you can bet Governor Greg Abbott will be on it. Sending people from their state elsewhere in buses. Oh, I think I should send you in a bus to New York City. No, Governor Abbott, you should not be sending anyone on a bus to New York City unless you've made arrangements. If you've made arrangements with people in New York City, if you find a place for someone who's now in Texas to stay in New York City, you can do that if it's legal. But, you know, these stuns of putting thousands of people on buses to New York City, come on, that's not acceptable. You're better than that, Governor Abbott. 1014, Bob Joseph with you on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. Is your... Ten sixteen. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. More calls coming up on our Tuesday program. Now we're joined by Broome County District Attorney Michael Korchak. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? Doing well. So it's August. I assume that means. Like with most things, uh, things slow down in the summer, so that must be true with the DA's office. Uh, relative tranquility and, and calm, I would guess, at this stage. Well, actually, that's the furthest thing from the truth, Bob. Uh, it doesn't slow down for local law enforcement, so therefore things don't slow down for the uh, district attorney's office. And In fact, it's been a very, very busy summer. Uh, we've had jury trials going all summer. Uh, we just concluded one last week. Uh, involving the trial of Jason Johnson, who was found guilty by a Broome County jury of attempted murder of two New York State troopers on June 19th of 2021 in Colesville. And uh, prior to that, we had another jury trial that concluded in July, the trial of Lance Johnson, who was found guilty by a jury of murder in the second degree and attempted murder of the second degree related to uh, August 2020 killing of Allison Salisbury in uh, Conklin. So we have been very busy, and unfortunately, this was the second trial we did within 12 months of a state trooper being um, the attempted murder of a state trooper. So uh, we're really, really busy here, and uh, we're, we're keeping up. But uh, our local law enforcement does a great job of tracking down leads and, uh, and solving crimes. They're doing their best, but, uh, you know, sometimes we need the public's help as well. So we're trying to keep everyone informed as to what's going on in Broome County Court. Well, things were slowed down, of course, quite a bit because of the pandemic. Has the system started to get back to normal, and are, are things are – are uh, prosecutors and judges and the court system starting to uh, catch up after the uh, pandemic-related delays? Right. We are catching up. It's a, it's a slow process because anyone who wants a uh, jury trial is entitled to one, and it's uh, unfortunately it's a matter of get to the back of the line. We just don't have enough uh, days in the year to uh, try all these cases. Uh, we try and keep everyone informed through our Facebook page and uh, through the press as to what's going on in county court. And I just want to remind everyone, it is 
county court is open to the public. If there's a trial going on, the public is welcome to come in and uh, see what's going on and see how our prosecutors and our criminal justice system works. Well, to that point, one of the uh, unfortunate things, and it's a reality that I talk about on this program uh, quite frequently, uh, routine coverage of trials. Uh, Most criminal trials now don't get um, much, if any, media coverage. That didn't used to be the case. There used to be a time when perhaps uh, Anthony Borelli or some other journalist with a newspaper, sometimes even uh, TV reporters, and on a rare occasion maybe a radio reporter would show up to provide some trial coverage. But trial coverage doesn't happen very much, at least not on a regular basis in Broome County. No, that's true. Um, I'm dating myself, but uh, Keith George has been retired for quite a while now. And I, I remember he used to work sure. in the press, and he'd be in, in the court every day uh, reporting to the public what goes on in Broome County Court. You know, everyone's shorthanded, just like the district attorney's office and police departments. I'm sure the, the press uh, is as well. That's why we welcome the public to come in and uh, take a look around and see what's going on in Broome County Court. Uh you know, the mask mandate has more or less been lifted if you can show proof of vaccination to come into the court. So, you know, we encourage anyone to come in and, and see what's going on. Um, be on jury duty. Be a participant in the system. Uh, we encourage that, and we encourage input from the public as well. Speaking with Broome County District Attorney Michael Korczak, here's a question for you. Who is eligible for jury duty these days? There once was a time uh, a few decades ago, well, not even that long ago in New York State, where sometimes people like reporters or law enforcement officers or some other people in specific professions were not eligible to serve on juries. Uh, what's what's the status now? No, that's that's been lifted. Uh, everyone is eligible. Whether you're going to get selected or not would be another thing that's up to the lawyers involved in the case and the judge but uh we have assistant district attorneys that get called for jury duty they they never get selected unfortunately but uh it is open to everyone they seem to have relaxed that if you do have a hardship you run your own business you know things of that nature you can maybe get it delayed or or put off to a certain extent but they have really relaxed the criteria they want everyone to be involved uh in the jury system It's been uh, three months since uh, we were shocked by the the case involving a Broome County man uh, who allegedly went to Buffalo and, and, uh, according to the accusations, killed people. Uh, I know you were involved in an investigation and and reviewing what happened last year with respect to threats that that Peyton Gendron had made and were reviewed by state police. Is your office still involved in reviewing any of the circumstances that happened uh, in uh, the spring of 2021 here in Broome County with respect to uh, threats that were said to have been made by Mr. Gendron? Right. We did an initial review, and we've cooperated, cooperated in any way possible with the Erie County District Attorney's Office and the federal and state authorities who are conducting the investigation. Uh, it, the, our part of it was really looking into the uh, events that took place when he was brought to uh, CPEP uh, over a year before uh, the incident in Buffalo and, uh, you know, the procedures and the protocols that took place. And I 
made an announcement at the time that after review, we, you know, he had been examined by medical professionals and given clearance to return home and actually return to school. So, again, it's what happened a year later, obviously, there was no way of predicting, but uh, we have had an influx of many of these um, protection orders that we're getting to uh, attempt to look and see if people should have a, uh, a weapon if they have a mental health issue or if they have an anger management issue and things of that nature. So we have been handling a lot of requests for those through the New York State Police and other local authorities. Do you think uh, some appropriate steps are being taken to um, to help keep people safer from, from those who have mental issues to hopefully uh, um, assess things early enough to prevent uh, future tragedies like Buffalo from happening? I know. Well, it seems that we have a, a shortage of facilities for individuals to get treated. And under New York state law, you can't force anyone to take medication or to seek treatment. Unfortunately, sometimes these individuals who would benefit from medication don't take it and they turn violent. And, you know, we have very tragic results at times. So, you know, I'm not a mental health professional, but uh, it seems to make all services available to as many people as possible is something that we should definitely be focusing on. Speaking with DA Michael Korchak at 1024 on WNBF, as you know, journalists and county residents always want information right away, no matter what the situation is. And I know um, you probably have have heard say for example the recent case involving uh, uh, the vehicle crash on the Vestal Parkway that's been under investigation by town police but I know your office also has been working with the Vestal Police in connection with that tragic crash that happened over a week ago where do things stand with respect to that case? Well, that investigation is ongoing. We're working with the Vestal Police. There's a lot that goes into these investigations, Uh, not not a lot that I can talk about. However, you know, the police look at it from a certain standpoint, and the prosecutors look at it from another standpoint. The police look for probable cause to arrest, and the district attorney's office is required by law to look at a case to see if there is proof beyond a reasonable doubt to convict someone at trial before a jury of 12 people. Uh, when you go to court, the judges actually instruct the jury that it's not enough that someone is probably guilty, that the proof by the prosecutor has to be greater than that. So that's why we uh, maintain that we need to do a thorough investigation of every case uh, before we you know, go ahead and charge someone or have the police charge someone because we're looking at the end game. If someone is charged and we believe they're guilty of a very serious crime, we need to do a thorough investigation so we have everything lined up so we can go forward and have a successful prosecution as we've had in these trials the past few months. How long does it typically take, say, if um, evidence has been collected by police? I know uh, Vessel Police were being assisted by the state police, and I believe the Broome County Sheriff's Office. Uh, Once evidence, facts, have been collected as part of an investigation, how soon can that be presented to uh, a grand jury for consideration of possible charges? Well, once we have all the facts and all the information, then we schedule it for grand jury shortly after that. Um, But we want to make sure that the investigation is complete, that there are no additional leads that need to be followed up on. The last thing we want to do is present the case to the grand jury and not give the grand jury all the evidence that was available uh, for their consideration. And just for people who don't know, grand jury testimony is supposed to be kept secret, correct? 
in theory, <laughs> in yeah. theory. That's, that's the problem that we have with a lot of unsolved cases, because now under the New York State discovery laws, testimony from the grand jury must immediately be turned over to the person who is being charged. Uh, in the old days, or the good old days, as prosecutors refer them to, we would be able to hold on to grand jury testimony, and unless the case went to trial, it was not required to be turned over to the person who was charged. Now, I understand the fairness aspect of it. However, we can't protect witnesses anymore. We have to tell the witnesses that if you testify in the grand jury or give a statement to the police uh, regarding criminal activity, if someone is charged as a result of that, that information will immediately be turned over to the person who's charged. So they will have your name. Only under rare circumstances can we uh, prevent that. So that, that is an aspect of the discovery law that people rarely talk about, the lack of cooperation from uh, witnesses coming forward. And so far, do you have any evidence that people have stopped cooperating or uh, perhaps have been even more reluctant to talk about things they know because they're afraid of some sort of retribution. Well, there are no statistics on it. However, we have spoken with individuals who were potentially interested in giving information and they refuse to go on paper. They refuse to come in and testify. Um, based on the fact that they felt their their information would be turned over to the person who is accused of a crime. I mean, we've had witness tampering cases where individuals give a written statement to the police, and that statement ends up online for all to see, uh, based on the fact that uh, the per it's turned over to the person who is accused. And everyone has a right to a fair trial, but to me, that's witness intimidation, and um, that has to stop. However, everything by law now has to be turned over at a very early stage in the uh, prosecution. 1028, we're talking with the Broome County District Attorney Michael Korchak. Another high-profile case locally is uh, the Binghamton Police investigation into the death of 12-year-old Eliza Spencer. She was shot to death just over four months ago when she was walking near her home on Bigelow Street on Binghamton's east side. Is your office invest uh, involved at all? with that investigation? Well, we assist all the police agencies that are involved in the investigation. I can tell you the investigation is ongoing. This isn't considered one of those older cases, like a cold case uh, where they've reached all dead ends. The Binghamton police are working diligently to uh, solve that case and uh, bring the people responsible to, uh, to justice. I think it's important for the public to remember, you know, these things do take time. I mean, we've had many high-profile cases in Broome County um, that have gone years. The, the Terry Dittman homicide took 11 years to solve. Uh, there are cases that are still unsolved. I, I believe there was a, uh, a, I guess, a segment you did several years ago regarding an Irene Isaac from Binghamton, who was a 25-year-old teacher who was killed in 1968, and that case has never been solved. But the police have not given up trying to, uh, to solve these crimes. And uh, I can tell you that the uh, Binghamton Police Department is working diligently to, uh, to find out who is responsible for, uh, for Eliza's death. And But you also understand how people here in Binghamton and Broome County, here it is 124 days after she was killed, and so little has been said, you can understand why people are, are somewhat concerned and even mystified about how this has been handled. 
No, I, I understand it totally. People want information, and in this day and age, they want information immediately as it happens. Uh, unfortunately, we don't want to do anything that would jeopardize the investigation, and that's why uh, things have been quiet. But I can assure you that uh, leads are being tracked down, and uh, the case is being worked on diligently by the uh, Binghamton police and all involved. And so would you expect eventually to have a successful prosecution? We, we hope so. I mean, it's a matter of tracking down the leads, following up on information, and getting sufficient evidence to bring the case before a grand jury. Uh, we won't bring the case before a grand jury until we have sufficient evidence. And again, we're working side-by-side uh, side with law enforcement to uh, try and assure that that happens. It's 1031 on WNBF. About a year ago, you announced a highly unusual case involving your predecessor, uh, Stephen Cornwell, the former district attorney, with uh, some very serious allegations involving public corruption, grand larceny, and other serious counts. Where do things stand? I know former DA Cornwell had moved to have those charges dismissed. Where do things stand with respect to that case? Right. Well, that case, I'm I'm not really permitted to comment on that based on the fact that it's been turned over to a uh, a special prosecutor. My understand the uh, the case is scheduled for uh, trial sometime in November, uh, but I'm not permitted to comment on it any further. It is an unusual circumstance, though, with a current DA moving against his predecessor. And the fact is, for those who don't remember, you you work closely with Steve Cornwell for years. Oh, yes. Again, as far as being unprecedented, I don't see it as anything having to do with the person that served in the office before me. Uh, My obligation to the people of Broome County and the people of the state of New York is to uphold the law. And if the law is broken, uh, those charges will be brought before a grand jury to be reviewed. And if charges are filed, we move forward on the prosecution. Uh, I've said from day one, I will not pick and choose who we prosecute. That's totally improper. If the law is broken, it'll be investigated, and we'll move forward with the prosecution. Anything else that you wish to add right now? We've covered uh, a lot of ground in a fairly short period of time. I mean, we we hope that the crime slows down. Uh, Unfortunately, we've had many instances based on bail reform where individuals are repeat offenders and by law they have to be released. Uh, We're hoping that the powers that be in Albany will take another look at this bail reform and give more discretion to our judges, that if they believe someone has a a component where they're a danger to the community, that they would have the the ability to set bail on those individuals instead of just automatically releasing them under the statute. By the way, what did you make the other day with Governor Hochul actually getting personally involved in that one case in New York City where uh, a judge released a suspect and then um, Kathy Hochul intervenes and she reviewed the case and she basically ordered that suspect taken back into custody that was um i I hate to use the word unprecedented because maybe there is precedent for that but i've never heard of that happening in new york state i have never really heard of it either um again nothing surprises me in this day and age Uh, i think the problem that should have been looked at is the lax parole violation laws that are in place. Uh, Parole officers are in the same position as judges in certain cases where they don't have the ability to violate someone's parole. If someone tests positive for drugs, if someone fails to go to an appointment, they don't show up for parole, 
those were instances where those individuals could be violated on their parole and put back in prison. Um, that's been scaled back to a great degree where they call them technical violations, where individuals violate their parole and they're still out on the streets. Um, this individual, in my opinion, my humble opinion, should have been violated immediately, and then it wouldn't have been up to the judge to uh, set bail or not set bail on that individual. They would have been held in without bail based on their violation of parole, and that was not done uh, immediately until the governor stepped in and had him violated on his parole, where he's now, uh, he's now in custody where he should be. Were you surprised that the governor intervened, that the governor ordered that he be taken back into custody? Again, I, I don't know why it was done that way. It should have been done on the front end where he never should have been released or be in a position to be released by the uh, the county judge. So you'd have to ask her about that. But uh, like I said, I think the, uh, the discretion should be with the parole officers that if they decide to file a violation, that the individual should be held in without bail until that violation is resolved. Have there been any similar cases here in Broome County where uh, a judge, in your view, has released somebody with, with that sort of background, similar to the uh, uh, assault case that received so much attention a few days ago in New York City, something that egregious, that uh, like that, that's happened here in Broome County, to your knowledge? No, our our judges in Broome County follow the law, just like I try and do as district attorney. Um, we've had judges tell individuals, I don't want to release you, but the law requires me to. And when we're in a position like that where the judges have no discretion, we're heading down the wrong road, I hate to tell you. But uh, we need to give more discretion back to our elected judges who are experienced attorneys, who know the system, who know the law, to give them the discretion to use their judgment as to whether someone should be held in custody or not. But right now we're just going by statute, and that, that's why you get cases such as this. By the way, in, in recent weeks, for some reason, it seems that it's been very, very quiet here in Binghamton and Broome County. Have, have you noticed that in, say, the last couple of weeks in terms of high-profile crimes? Well, high-profile, the way we look at them, every crime has a victim. And there's no low-level crime if you're the victim. It's an important crime to you if you've been victimized, if your car's been broken into, uh, if something's been stolen off your porch. Uh, those things are serious quality-of-life crimes that we take seriously. Unfortunately, bail reform doesn't take them seriously, and we have multiple repeat offenders. So we're hoping that for the next couple of weeks of the summer, it's relatively quiet, but uh, the cases have still been rolling into the DA's office. Our local law enforcement does a great job in the law, and we will continue to prosecute, but we have to do it within the bounds of New York state law. And are you expecting more steps to be taken, say, by the city and other county officials to try to control the gun violence, even though, as I alluded to, uh, seems pretty quiet so far, this far into to August generally? Uh, does more still have to be done to try to make some permanent changes? Uh, I believe our local law enforcement is doing all they can to get the information that they can to execute search warrants, to uh, take the guns off, the illegal guns off the street that need to be taken off the street. Uh, the ghost guns are a problem. Some of those guns that are manufactured or 
ordered online and put together by individuals, and there's really no way to trace them. But uh, our local law enforcement has not slowed down this summer, and they are continuing to uh, go after the individuals that uh, you know possess illegal handguns and make our community safer. From County District Attorney Michael Korchak, thanks for your time. Okay, thank you, Bob. Have a safe summer. And you too. 1038 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. On your Tuesday morning, our number is 607-772-1290. You can call us. Want to talk about almost anything? can also send an email to bob at wnbf.com. This is News Radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always with you with the free WNBF app. Ten forty one WNBF live on a Tuesday morning. calls for those who have thoughts about what's going on around here. Interesting bit of reporting. I was going to mention it on Monday's program, but for some reason I was distracted, maybe because of all that rain. But the New York Times took a close look into what the mayor does. The mayor in, in New York City is... Eric Adams. Eric Adams. And the uh, New York Times decided to follow him around. Again, you can do this if you're a news organization with reporters. Obviously around here, as we've already established, um, you know, this kind of journalism just is not sustainable in a small town. But in New York City, the New York Times followed... The mayor, for 30 days, 30 big days, an expose into what the mayor is up to at night. And so they they checked. What he does is he hangs out on many nights at a place that is uh, effectively operated by convicted felons. They don't own the place because they can't, as convicted felons... Apparently in New York, you're not allowed to have a liquor license, so the liquor license is actually in the name of someone else. But apparently many nights, the mayor of New York City hangs out at this place with people of, shall we say, interesting backgrounds. And 
it's intriguing. I read it. I'm not not sure if uh, the New York Times managed to prove anything by following the mayor around for 30 days. Uh, the headline on the story by Sarah Maslin-Near and Jasmine Hughes was Eric Adams After Dark, A Private Table and Tarnished Friends. And so they kept an eye on the guy, and so he apparently goes to this one upscale Manhattan restaurant many nights during the course of a month based on their surreptitious observation of the mayor, and this is how they describe it. He slips behind a frosted glass partition to a private table where he holds court while the restaurant stays open until he leaves, sometimes well after its official closing time. The restaurant is run by the mayor's close friends, who are twin brothers, whose businesses Adams has supported despite the past felony convictions of the twins as well as their outstanding tax debts and a trail of legal troubles. Uh, During the month of June, according to the New York Times reporters who were keeping a close watch on the mayor, he showed up at that place at least 14 evenings. And apparently they conclude that he... Uh, never paid for meals. The Times reporters never observed him paying for his meals. Although in response to questions, a spokesman for the mayor said uh, he personally pays the bill to the restaurant monthly. That must be a nice deal. I should get a restaurant arrangement like that so I can just slink in and out of some restaurant and have them bill me monthly. Spokesman declined to provide receipts. Anyway, so they're raising questions about conflict of interest and whether it's really a good idea for the mayor, who, by the way, is a former NYPD cop, whether it's a good idea for him to be consorting with these guys who have, shall we say, an interesting reputation. So I'm not really... I'm not really sure what to think about the times following the mayor around for 30 days during June, but apparently that's what they needed to do to report this story. They also point out that other reporters have done some similar things in the past with, say, Mike Bloomberg or Bill de Blasio. So apparently in New York City, because they have a newspaper with... Reporters who apparently are able to stay up all night working, apparently that's what they do. Now, as far as if that's something that should be done in every city, following the mayor around at night, I don't know what you'd find out. I mean, everybody would say, well, you probably should. You don't want the mayor to get in any trouble, right? You don't want that to happen, so I'm sure that's what the New York Times was thinking when they devoted all the resources with reporters and photographers to keep a close watch on the mayor.
Make sure he wasn't getting into any trouble after dark. It's 1048 News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. The Illumina. Six zero seven 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 two twelve ninety is the number to call on this Tuesday morning if you'd like to speak on News Radio WNBF. you see is what you get <laughs> news radio wnbf eh, what you hear is what you get story from the albany times union a place called water slide world a once popular attraction in lake george is going to be demolished for a mixed use development so water slide world will be torn down in Lake George. And that reminds me of the time when a Binghamton mayor thought it would be a clever idea to have a water theme park. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm serious. Juanita Crab, the mayor, wanted to have a water theme park. It would cost $25 million uh, to replace the original plan that the mayor had for a stadium. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't laugh like that. I mean, you know, you have to come up with ideas. It just wasn't <clears throat> just wasn't one of her better ideas. Twenty two, twenty five million dollars for an amusement park complex, including a water theme park in Binghamton. Water park. I'm looking now at the Original, if you know where the stadium is now, I think you know where the stadium is near the post office. So the stadium would be where it is now. And then the parking area, you know where you park when you go to the ball game? That's where the water park was going to be. I'm looking at the project plan as it was published in the newspaper. A water theme park says a niagara niagara falls lawyer who wants to build a theme park in binghamton built niagara flash i mean niagara splash in niagara falls john bartolome and so he thought because he built that in niagara falls that maybe he could build one in binghamton so well Obviously, that didn't get built, but still, just the thought of a water theme park in downtown Binghamton still causes me to chuckle just a little bit. Just a little bit. (laughs) 
Well, at least we got the stadium. The stadium makes sense. A water theme park in Binghamton, to me, never really made much sense. It's 1054 from WNBF, Beverly, from the town of Dickinson. Good morning. Hello, how you doing? Good, how are you? Doing pretty good. Yeah, I'm reading a book today about Sarah Palin. The former governor of Alaska. Right, it's pretty good. Yeah, what's the name of the book? Something about... I'm going rogue. Going rogue. Well, I guess She's she did. A smart woman. According, I know. Uh, Are you talking? Wait, daughter. hold on. Are you talking about Kathy Hochul? No, Sarah Palin. You're saying Sarah Palin is a smart woman? Do you think well, she's smart? Do you think she? Well, here's a question for you. So you're reading this book about the rogue. Are are you convinced that she is smarter than um, Kathy Hochul? Who is smarter, Kathy Hochul or Sarah Palin? No, that ain't fair. Well, why 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 isn't it fair? I think that's a perfectly because, fair question. Because they, uh, uh, Sarah Palin. The people voted her for governor, so she had to be good. They're both good. Well, Kathy Hochul, they voted for her for lieutenant governor, so she had to be good. Yeah, well, Sarah, uh, she tells about her life and how she'd become governor and about her children and stuff. Yeah, what did she say about her kids? Uh, well, they. Now, what would you say about your children? You'd either say they were good or misbehaving. Well, well that's she always what, said her children were good. Well, that's why I was curious because sometimes her kids have been in the news. Yeah. Well, I didn't say they're bad. I just say they're. They've been in the news, and sometimes the headlines make you think that that perhaps. Perhaps they needed better parenting. Well, you know, Bob, people will say anything to get an inch. Oh, do you think they were doing that just to embarrass Sarah Palin from a political perspective? Maybe. Well, that's possible. So here's the question. Based on what you've read so far, do you think Sarah Palin should move to New York State and maybe live here in Binghamton? Anywhere she wants to. I'm just saying, if she moves to Binghamton, would you consider voting for her for Broome County Executive? Well, yes. You would? Yes. What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong. I was just asking. If you voted for county executive, I would vote for you. Oh, you mean if I ran? Right. Well, that makes sense because I have an established record of serving the community. Oh, yeah. So is a lot of other people. Yeah, but not Sarah Palin. She's never done a darn thing for Broome County. No, I know that, but she says she's done a lot for Alaska. I know a person that that uh, that was in the Air Force up there, and he said she was a good person. 
So he voted for her when he lived up there. All right, well, I don't know anything about her except what I've read in the papers, but, you know, I, I mean, I'll say this about Sarah Palin. Based on what I've read, it sounds as though she's very interesting. Well, yeah, so are you. Well, not as interesting as her. Well, why don't you let somebody write a, a nice book about you? I'll buy it. You think we should do that? Have a have a book, Bob Joseph, the inside story. Well, yeah, why not? I think that would be a good idea. I, I want to know if uh, what we need is a is a good author, somebody who is very very good at at writing um, biographies. Oh yeah. So if I can find a, a person who's willing to. Uh, Write write a biography about me. I would, I would probably be inclined to cooperate. Oh well, yeah. How's the doggies doing? They're happy. They were happy yeah. because it was raining. They were at first. They saw the rain and they couldn't remember what it was like to be playing in the rain. And then after uh, about two minutes, they they were frolicking in the rain yesterday. Oh, yeah? How long did it rain? Oh, I don't know. A few hours. But they were happy just because it was different. Now, fortunately, the rain is going past us, and the rest of the week will be sunny. They'll probably like that better. So, anyway, well, I appreciate your call. I hope you have a great afternoon. Yeah, have a good day now. Thanks. All right. I'm going to try to uh, get myself a copy of the Sarah Palin book so I can get a better appreciation for the work she's done for Alaska. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Tuesday, August 23rd. It's 11.04. You're listening to WNBF. At least one of New York City's most veteran members of Congress will be voted out of office today in a Democratic primary, pitting U.S. Representative Jerry Nadler against U.S. Representative Carolyn Maloney. The unusual battle between incumbents is the result of a redistricting process that lumped Nadler's home base on the west side of Manhattan together with Maloney's on the east side. Neither was willing to run in another part of the city. Nadler and Maloney are joined in the race by Siraj Patel, a lawyer and lecturer at New York University. A new training complex will be developed at the Broom Tioga BOCES main campus in the town of Dickinson. $1.3 million in state funding has been approved for the trades facility that is planned at the Glenwood Road site. New York State Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty visited the BOCES campus Monday afternoon to announce the project. The complex is to provide training for heavier equipment operators, truck drivers, electricians, masons, and carpenters. State police say a 17-year-old Otsego County girl died after the car she was driving slammed into a tree. Investigators say Mackenzie Strait of Maryland, New York, was pronounced dead at the scene of the crash. The incident happened around noon Sunday on County Highway 42 in the town of Maryland. Police say the vehicle had been southbound when it went off the roadway and struck a tree. City of Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram on Monday announced the city will partner with CARES Advocates for Families to provide 1,000 backpacks filled with school supplies to City of Binghamton students. 
Mayor Cram said back-to-school shopping puts a significant financial burden on families and rising costs are forcing more parents to choose between school supplies and other necessities. Too often it falls unfairly on our teachers to provide the supplies that some families can't. The city is partnering again with CARES to ease the burden on families and teachers and help make sure every child in Binghamton has the supplies they need to learn and grow. One of those backpack giveaways will be taking place tomorrow from noon to 2 p.m. at Recreation Park, Saratoga Apartments Community Center, and Carlisle Hills Apartments Community Center. New York State Governor Kathy Hochul has announced a $150 million expansion to the state's tuition assistance program. New York's tuition assistance program will now provide assistance to 75,000 additional students who are pursuing degrees part-time, taking between 6 and 11 credits per semester. Students can apply for part-time TAP this semester by filling out the federal federal aid application, and students who have already enrolled and submitted their aid applications for this academic year will automatically receive TAP awards based on the number of credit hours they're enrolled in. Thousands of asylum seekers from across Latin America and the Caribbean are getting caught in the political battle over U.S. immigration policy after two Republican governors started sending busloads of migrants to New York City and Washington. Border cities such as San Diego have long wrestled with influxes of asylum seekers and created well-oiled machines to respond, but the nation's largest city and its capital were caught flat-footed. That created an opening for Greg Abbott of Texas and Doug Ducey of Arizona. Nearly 8,000 migrants have arrived on the state-sponsored bus trips, straining the resources and humanitarian services of both cities, which have also sought assistance from the federal government. On August 18th, troopers out of State Police Warsaw arrested Sir Christian Malone of Ithaca, New York, for introducing contraband into a prison. Troopers were dispatched to assist the Wyoming Correctional Facility with a subject in custody for promoting prison contraband. Malone was taken into custody and transported to State Police Warsaw for processing. During processing, it was determined that Malone had used false identification and signed official documents with another name. Malone was arraigned in the town of Attica Court for charges and released. Lawyers for former President Donald Trump have asked a federal judge to prevent the FBI from continuing to review documents recovered from his Florida estate until a neutral special master can be appointed. The attorneys asserted Monday in a court filing, their first since the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago two weeks ago, that the sets of documents taken from the residents were presumptively covered by executive privilege. They say the matter has captured the attention of the American public and safeguards are needed to protect, protect Trump's constitutional rights. The filing casts the August 8th search as a shockingly aggressive move. It's 11.09. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. Welcome. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Right now about 72 degrees, 81% humidity, and cloudy out there. Today, showers and thunderstorms likely, then showers and possibly a thunderstorm after 3 p.m., a high near 77 degrees and an 80% chance of rain. Tonight, scattered showers before 8 p.m., patchy dense fog before 1 a.m. and again after 2 a.m., otherwise mostly cloudy, a low near 61 degrees, a 30% chance of rain. Tomorrow, patchy dense fog before 9 a.m., otherwise mostly sunny, a high near 84, and Thursday, sunny with a high near 87 degrees. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM. News Radio 1290, WMBF. Tuesday.
Tuesday morning, soon to be Tuesday afternoon. You're listening to Bob Joseph. This is News Radio WNBF. If you'd like to give us a call, call us 607 about the dogs in uh, Michigan. The dogs aren't doing well and they're uh, creating real concern. Real concern with uh, the dogs in Michigan because they're dying. I saw the story. It was in the New York Times where I first noticed it and I'm thinking, oh, this is terrible. Terrible. A mysterious ailment has been afflicting dozens of dogs in uh, Michigan. So, for some reason, the dogs in one part of Michigan have been dying lately. So, a mystery virus. One thing that surprised me with the New York Times story, they actually did something that occasionally... They're afraid to do. They acknowledged the reporting of a local news organization. Sometimes, the New York Times, because they're such a big newspaper, the New York Times doesn't want to give credit when, say, a news organization in a place like Binghamton does some sort of a story. They'll allude to the story, but for some reason not be willing to give any credit. In this case, they actually acknowledged the reporting of a weekly newspaper in Michigan, in a place called Harrison, Michigan. And I was amazed, A, that the Times gave credit to local reporting, and B, I was amazed by the newspaper's name, the Clare County Cleaver. Not a Gannett paper. Imagine if we had the Binghamton Cleaver. Clare County Cleaver is the... um, official newspaper there in Harrison, Michigan. It's a weekly, so you have to wait for it to come out. But they had the story a few days ago about the mystery virus that's been killing dogs. Actually, it was posted last Friday by Diane Allward Berry. And she reported that the local animal control director shared with the Clare County Cleaver, some sad and disturbing information. An unidentified virus, which seems similar to canine parvovirus, has been affecting dogs in Michigan. The animal control officer said it was found in Otsego County first, where there were 20 cases. By the way, it's not Otsego County near us. That's Otsego County, Michigan. She said it mimics Parvo, but they are all testing negative. She said all of the dogs have died, vaccinated and unvaccinated. She said we just had eight dogs in our county that we know of, and it was a mystery. So that was one of the initial stories that now people 
are investigating further in Michigan with this mystery of an ailment that's been killing dogs. The Clare County Animal Control Director said the virus kills the infected dog within three days of the appearance of symptoms. She added that her dogs are not leaving the house. The Animal Control Director, Rudy Hicks, said, We are not going to dog parks. We're not going camping with them because there's no cure. There's no vaccine because they haven't identified it yet. So they're just trying to figure out what's going on in Michigan. Some sort of strange, mysterious virus. She said when somebody asked if it was known how the disease spreads, she said they don't know anything. The state is in a panic right now. She explained that cases started in Otsego, again, Otsego, Michigan, Eight dogs along the street, along, uh, rather, across from her own house. They had all died in three days. Can you imagine on your street if eight dogs died in a period of three days? She said animal control had taken a carcass the previous day and tested it in the field for parvo. It was negative but had all the symptoms. Then she drove it to the university, Michigan State University, and they were still awaiting the test results. She said, just keep your dogs home. Don't take them to dog parks and don't walk them. Now, so far, there's no evidence, no report that we've heard that this is spread beyond Michigan. But still, have that sort of thing going on with the experts mystified. It's frightening. That is frightening. If you're a dog owner and a dog lover. It's 11.17. That was the story, again, from the Clare County Cleaver. Not part of the U.S. Today Network. 607-772-1290 is the number to call on this Tuesday morning. You can also fire off an email to bob at wnbf.com. You're in- Eleven twenty one from WNBF, WNBF.com. I got something that'll hold up, set your stuff on fire. Yes, you can call and tell me something good. something not so good anyway uh, let's see oh governor hochel announced the relaxed rules for covid so i guess your kids will be able to go back to school and have fun 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 at school uh, without worrying about covid so they say we just have to probably be concerned about monkeypox uh it's always something 
it's always something. So the new rules, according to Governor Hochul, um, basically go right ahead, go to school, even if you've been around someone with COVID. If you don't have any symptoms, just go to school. Uh, the state health commissioner, Mary Bassett, said thanks to the heroic work of our educators, children across New York have been able to make a safe return to the classroom. The new guidance will give schools and districts more flexibility to continue providing in-person instruction as we head into the new school year. So if your children want to go back to school, which they probably do by now, it's been a long, hot summer, so they want to go back to school to see their friends. They should be able to do it, and apparently they don't need to do any serious testing, at least not routinely. If you have symptoms, then you would have to be tested. But, say, if you've been around someone who may have tested positive, you don't automatically need to be tested, according to the state health commissioner. It's 1124 from WNBF, WNBF.com. And everybody is all abuzz about primary voting today. For another eight and a half hours, the polls in New York will be open until 8 p.m. And when I say everybody's all abuzz, really, that's the odd thing. I've heard, aside from candidates and their representatives, I don't know that I've heard a single person come up to me in recent weeks and talking about the primaries today. Well, maybe some other reporter, but I get the sense that most people either don't know that today is a primary day for state senate and congressional races, either they don't know or most likely they don't care. That's how it feels. And maybe the main reason for that is who really wants to think about voting in August. But that's how it turned out because, well, we remember all the legal challenges earlier this year. So finally, when time was running out, they finally decided, well, you're going to have to have a primary date sometime before the general election on November 8th. So this is the best they could do. But as far as much interest among voters and, of course, party operatives, if you're a, a Democrat or Republican party official, you're probably excited about the primary voting, but... Just think about on this program. If you look back on the last two months, how many people, how many callers have actually decided that they wanted to talk about the primary? And I think the answer to that is between zero and none. I did get a call, a mysterious call, Monday from a guy who said he wanted to call in and make some sort of statement on behalf of a candidate who we haven't even covered. And I thought, 
Well, that's strange. We haven't even covered this race, and we haven't even mentioned this person's name. And here's a guy calling in, basically calling ahead of time to ask permission if he could call in, which that alone I found surprising. Because on this program, whether you're just an average person, just a typical listener, or if you're the governor of New York or the president of the United States, you don't have to call in advance to ask permission to call in. But this guy left a message and basically seemed to want my permission to call in. And then after I called him back and I had a little conversation with him about what he wanted to talk about, and he said, well, I'm still, in a paraphrase, I'm still trying to prepare my statement. And so that alone made me think, well, maybe he's not even familiar with the concept of the program because what we do here doesn't require anyone to prepare a statement. I mean, you can, and I guess some people may, in fact, prepare a statement, but I I don't really encourage people when they call the program to prepare a statement first and then deliver your statement because that's not really as exciting as, as you might want. If you have something to say, just call in and bring up the topic and ask a question or offer an opinion. So after he told me what he wanted to talk about, I thought, well, this makes no sense. Why, If you're going to call in on behalf of a candidate, why don't you have the candidate actually call? Because I pointed out to this person, this guy, I said, I don't really need to talk to a spokesperson for a candidate. I really want to talk to a candidate. If it's so important, the candidate should call. And the guy was sort of apologetic, I guess, or maybe surprised that I would want to speak to the actual candidate. And then he made some sort of comment, well... Maybe I'll mention that. So I never did hear from the candidate, but it it was just one of those mysterious things, somebody calling to ask permission if they could call ostensibly on behalf of a candidate. And unless it's for a presidential campaign, maybe, but anything below a presidential campaign, I don't want to talk to operatives. I don't want to speak with a spokesperson. I want to have the candidate actually on the air to answer questions. Seems reasonable. It's eleven twenty nine. You're listening to News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. This Tuesday morning, you're listening to WNBF and WNBF.com.
summer of 22. Where were you in the summer of 22? So far, so good. I think generally the weather has been adequate, more than adequate for most of us. Unless you're trying to grow something, people who've been trying to grow things over the last few months probably are not amused by the amount of rain we've been having. But I suppose, I suppose... The rain that we received over the last 24 hours was somewhat helpful, hopefully. That will make a bit of a difference for people. We'll see. At least our uh, situation is not as dire as it is in the west and southwest, where uh, lack of water is just... It's just hard to imagine what they're going through. It's getting so bad that probably the governor of California will wind up putting people on buses and sending them to Binghamton because the state of California will be running low on water. At least in Binghamton, we'll hopefully have enough water. Here's the forecast from the National Weather Service. A few more showers and thunderstorms in the forecast. For today, it will be partly sunny with a high of 79. Rainfall today between one-tenth and one-quarter of an inch, but higher amounts will be possible in thunderstorms. Tonight, mostly cloudy, a chance of showers and thunderstorms, mainly in the evening. Overnight, yes, mostly cloudy, but then some patchy fog developing. Should actually clear up by dawn. Overnight low 61. Sunny tomorrow, high 85, and sunny Thursday, high 87. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it's 68 at News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. Bob Joseph, your Thursday morning, Tuesday morning. It's all a blur. Oh, Jesse from Owego says there's a big problem. Jesse Inouigo wrote, The governor won't do anything when it comes to bail reform. And she made it look like she's a hero by holding that criminal without bail. For the most part, the judges, district attorneys, and law enforcement hands are tied. I say, vote her out. Wow, a bold, principled statement from Jesse Inouigo. Thank you, Jesse. That's some... Mighty bold talk from Tioga County, which is, of course, a noted Democratic base. So you've got a lot of Democrats in Tioga County who are probably saying, What? Somebody saying, Vote Kathy Hochul out? Come on, man. Come on, man. You can't. You can't vote her out. No. No. Uh, Getting back to water, water everywhere. Um, On the program Monday, I made reference when we were speaking with Dave Nicosia from the National Weather Service about, gee, I I hope there is enough water for Binghamton because looking at the Susquehanna River, Uh, how low it was in some spots, I was thinking, well, if most of Binghamton's water comes from the river, the city has access to only one secret well, 
where I'm not supposed to tell you where it's even located. Uh, if if the river got much lower, I thought that we'd be in big trouble. But our good buddy Jim Emke from News Channel 34 did send an email, and he pointed out that the Rock Bottom Dam is there to ensure that water levels stay above the intake pipes that are near the Tompkins Street Bridge. So, as, as Mr. Emke noted in his email, as long as water is flowing over the dam, there should be no problem with Binghamton getting water from the river. So I hope that's true. I hope it's true. I don't doubt it. As I mentioned when we were speaking with Dave Nicosia, I really wish... I really wish this is sort of like the good old days where you could call up a city department head and ask a direct question, and then they could tell you the answer to that. But we're not we're not in that era. <laughs> yeah, we're not in the era where we're allowed to call up local government officials and actually talk with them <laughs> about a a very important thing about, say, the city's water supply. If I wanted to talk to the person who runs the city water plant, well, suffice it to say, that's not something that could be done easily. certainly could not be done on a whim. We would have to make advance arrangements to be sure. Eleven thirty-eight at WNBF. Still trying to figure out who is going to vote today. We haven't had anybody calling. Well, we did speak, I believe, with Sandy from Fort Dickinson. She said she was going to vote. But you would think on primary day especially that some people would be calling in. I I thought for sure. You know, We had uh, some candidates who were on talking about the one congressional race here, the one primary in the 19th district. So I thought some people would call in and talk about that, but evidently there's no no excitement even with that race. You would have I guess you would have thought there could have been some kind of excitement, but that hasn't happened. Right now we're in a holding pattern with respect with you-know-who. I uh, <laughs> don't really want to bring that up because all that does is cause trouble. I mean, the last thing you want on a radio program is any kind of trouble. I'll tell you one thing that needs to be addressed is this kid... And by now, you've probably seen it because it's it's the talk, not just the talk of the town, it's the talk of the world. There's this baseball fan, and bottom line is, of course, it's not a Red Sox fan. It's a Yankees fan who's sitting there. By the way, this is going to be rather explicit for some listeners, so if you're easily offended... You may want to turn the dial to a less offensive channel. Maybe turn to the quiet island for a moment. 
because what you're about to hear is is very disturbing. Fortunately, you don't have to see the video. If you've already seen the video, the sad thing is you you will never unsee it. But this guy who is a Yankees fan was caught on video, and now billions of people around the world, I think, have already seen it. So at Yankee Stadium, the guy is sitting there watching, you know the team, And instead of just eating his hot dog and drinking his beer like a normal baseball fan would do, he decides he decides he's going to drink his beer using a hot dog straw. Yeah, you heard me right. And if somebody had told me this prior, unfortunately, this was the last thing I saw last night before I went to sleep. I, I knew better. I should not have been checking Twitter right before bedtime. But the last thing I saw on Twitter was this video of the guy, of course, a Yankees fan, was either going to be that or a Florida guy. In this case, it was a Yankees fan. After, let me see a better description because it's it was uh, absolutely tasteless. Okay, here's the best headline. Could it get any worse? W-U-R-S-T. The moment a Yankees fan hollows out a hot dog to use it as a straw before slurping down a ballpark beer with a strange contraption. As the Yankees were actually winning a game, which that alone was shocking, so instead of watching his team win against the Mets, a fan was caught on video concocting the latest in drinking straw technology. The video shows the guy poking a hole in a hot dog with a plastic straw before dunking the hot dog in his beer and then drinking the beer. Remember, this is stadium beer, not good beer. This is stadium beer, drinking a stadium beer through the hot dog. And as you might expect, the world is enraged. I mean, we've got big problems in the world. High gas prices, inflation that sometimes feels as though it's out of control. Um, You have the war in Ukraine. You have um, the former guy threatening to come back. But now, the worst thing is, again, W-U-R-S-T, is this guy is using his hot dog as a straw. And as I say, of course, it was a Yankees fan. And now people are just outraged. They, they want the commissioner of Major League Baseball to ban the guy forever. And they're wondering if even the commissioner has the right to find the guy. I don't think the commissioner can find a fan. I think the commissioner is able to take action against players and owners. But I don't think the commissioner of Major League Baseball can do anything about this kid Okay, he's not a kid. He's old enough to know better. Drinking a stadium beer. Remember, it's stadium-quality beer, so it's not good beer. But you can imagine, because it was at Yankee Stadium, it probably it looked like a, a 12-ounce plastic cup of stadium beer. So it must have cost at least $50. And he's using probably a $15 hot dog as a straw to drink his stadium beer. And 
it's it's all the rage and of course you can understand why people who are very sensitive just can't can't understand why a guy would do something like this in public I can't understand I've I've seen the video it must be countless times by now Joe from Greater Ithaca good morning vote and vote often I'm out of turn today because it's not my turn, but uh, as you call about voting today, and I am going to vote today, there's a special election for U.S. Congress, 23rd District, and uh, there's also the Democrat pri- in the Democrat primary, there's uh, two candidates for, uh, number, for 19 and two candidates for, uh, well, Congress 19 and the Senate 52. He said no one's calling right. about voting. Well, I'm glad someone did. I mean, he barely got in under, under the wire. So, Joe from Greater Ithaca, do you sense that in Tompkins County there is more enthusiasm for primary day than there is here in Greater Binghamton? Well, I wouldn't have called it enthusiasm, but probably better in Tompkins County than in, in uh, Broome County for that. It's interesting to note one of the uh, people that's running, Leah Webb, Leah Lebb was born in Binghamton, born and raised in Binghamton. She served eight years as city council, et cetera. Maybe you know of her. Well, I know of her. That's that's actually a good point. So, and I I was hesitant to bring it up, but now that somebody's brought up her name, she hasn't been on the the program once. I mean, I covered her when she was on city council. She never once called me to say, "Bob, I'm running for the state senate in the Democratic primary." So can I come on the program and, and tell people why I think I'm a good candidate for the state Senate? She never even called in. So it makes me wonder, is she a serious candidate? Yeah, well, there, so let's see. Her opponent is Leslie Danks-Burke. Yes, who did call in. She actually has been on the program. Okay. She actually, I think several months ago, came to the station from Ithaca, she drove here, and we met for, I don't know, I think we talked for over half an hour about all sorts of issues, political and otherwise. So she came from Ithaca. Leah Webb from Binghamton, who was on city council, she never stopped by the station once, as far as I know. Yeah. She never called me. Yeah. I, makes makes me wonder what's up with her campaign if she didn't want to call the very best radio station in Binghamton to talk about her campaign. It just makes me wonder why. I've had a lot of mail from her, more from her than uh, Burke. Well, uh, you know, the weird thing about it is I get lots of emails from her, or ostensibly from her. They're they're from her campaign. They're never from her. That's right. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're like generated from some sort of email machine, so I get lots and lots of email, campaign email, from Leah Webb. I haven't received a phone call or an actual personalized email either from her or anybody from the campaign it just makes me wonder is that the is that the type of campaign of the future where where candidates just don't want to be actually part of the campaign yeah no i the thing is from with it from the emails i saw she had different things where people could meet her and do certain things like that and uh, around the area you know now the the other is maybe it might be the emphasis of where you're going to get the best voting you know where you're going to get you know it's in your favorable where, where to go and why binghamton paid less maybe paid less attention to binghamton than it did other ithaca or wherever else she covers i don't know you know 
Well, 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 it's interesting because you would think if you're if you've lived in Binghamton and served on city council, you would think that would be basically the place where where you would focus on on getting the vote out. Unless she thought, oh, well, Binghamton, people already know me here, so I'll go to Ithaca where people don't know anything about me, and maybe maybe I can get more votes in Tompkins County than I can in Broome County. I just thought it was very strange that we we never we never heard directly from the candidate. We, we receive all these emails. Actually, most of the emails I get are, are asking me to donate money to her campaign. Oh yeah, there's a lot of a lot of that. Yeah, a lot of the. And by the way, as as a, as a journalist and a talk show host, I do not, I will not donate any money to anybody's campaign. Yeah, I, I don't see that. I don't see that. In fact, a lot of these things have so much money. The way it was put was, uh, you know, some places they have so much advertising in on the television it just drives people crazy, and they say if you get too much money, it's like you take a blanket or a towel or whatever, and you put it under water, and you get it soaked, and you just can't put any more water in it, no matter how many times you soak it. And it's like after a while, yeah, it's this. It only goes so so much, no matter how. What are you going to do with the money? Well, they get to spend it on something else, which I don't think is right. Right. You know, so they could walk off with a pot of money being a loser. You know, with us. So actually, here here's the email. I did get an email. From it says from Leah Webb, but again, it's an automated service, for, you know, for her campaign. Apparently, somebody submitted my email address to her campaign. So, this is what I got from her campaign at nine oh one this morning. Hello, Bob. That part I like. Hello, Bob. Today is the day. It's election day in New York, and Team Leah is thrilled to be so close to the finish line. We would not be here without your unwavering support. So first and foremost, thank you. Again, what's that about? I don't support any candidate. So she would not be here without my unwavering support. So that alone shows the utter... Well, yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's like they paid the madmen to do it. But now, how about the other couple? Of the, uh, these candidates for the con- U.S. Congress 19... Uh, Cheney and Riley, Josh Riley and Jamie Cheney, do they relate to Binghamton? Or maybe you haven't heard of those. They're not in your. Well, they've both been on the program. Uh, Jamie Cheney was on once last week by phone. I have not met her, but I've spoken with her once on the program. I believe, I think she lives in Ulster County. Trying to remember, may have that wrong. Um, The uh, other Democratic candidate, Josh Riley. He's been on the program a few times, although I think I only hear him. Yes, yeah, and and now I I know more about him because I had spoken with him in the past before he was an actual candidate this year. The other thing is, is he and I do have one thing in common because he grew up in Endicott. I spent much of my childhood in Endicott, and we both went to Union Endicott High School. So there is. In that sense, a, a similarity. But I've never met him. I've only talked to him, I think, on the phone. But yeah. so that that's one thing. I mean, he might do better in Broome County because a lot of his TV ads have played up the fact that he grew up in Endicott and the TV commercials show background of so-called working-class neighborhoods and some file pictures, I think, of IBM and Endicott Johnson buildings. So maybe maybe that'll play well 
in Broome County and maybe not as much elsewhere in the district. Yes, it's hard to say because I say the turnout for it is is very light, you know, and yeah. especially this time of the year. With a, I don't think anybody even realizes it's voting day, you know. It's, I know we have to make a special effort to get out and do that. Got we got other things going on and going from one place to another that uh, we're going to do it though. And and the thing is, I know. I don't sweat it at all as far as waiting because I don't know where we vote. It's just like no matter when we go, it doesn't ever seem to be very busy. Right. Uh, for, for that. Now, yeah, well, that's true, I think, in most primaries. But this, this year, because it's unusual, late August, and people just don't associate this time of year with a primary vote, so I think the, the overall turnout will be very small one thing that's in the leah webb campaign email that was sent to me this morning by her campaign and it's in bold and this part reflects what you just said turnout will be critical this election so it's important that supporters like you make it to the polls again even if i did support a specific candidate wouldn't make any difference i can't vote in a primary because i'm not registered with a political party so you know all i can do on primary day is sit outside a polling place and be jealous of all the people who can vote. Well, I think it's pretty liberal now that as far as changing parties and how far ahead you have to do that. But the, my, the point is, I can't change parties. I'm I'm not part of a party. Well, you, well, you can't right. But uh, I'm saying just just for the sake of you, you're thinking like, boy, I'd like to vote in this election. Okay, assuming you you would might like to do that. You become part of that party just to get in that election and then drop out of it again, you know, go go in and out. I don't know how far ahead it takes to do that, but, I mean, because we don't have open voting, you know, you can't cross vote, you know, on that. You have to. Well, there was. Yeah, I I promise, as long as I'm in journalism and, and also hosting this program, I'll never register with a party. That is the one thing. That I decided when I was 18, because I wanted to go into reporting, I would never register with a party. Um, and maybe someday, if I ever get out of journalism, which at this point I have come to uh, determine is probably a life sentence, so I don't think there's any way I'm getting out of journalism alive. Um, but then, I even then, I don't think I would register with a party. One thing that was interesting, I think a couple of years ago, because of some sort of crazy thing with uh, a third party, I was able to actually vote in a primary. I think it was the Independence primary, Independence Party primary, and I don't know if there was some sort of legal mix-up or whatever, but it was the one time when even if you weren't registered with a political party, you could vote. I can't even remember what the office was for, maybe state controller or something for like a third party, and I just voted just so I could say once in my life I was able to vote on primary day. But that was uh, an aberration. That was a fluke. Maybe voting for something other than a candidate, some some other issue. Yeah. Anyway, I appreciate the call. Say hi to your friends in Greater Ithaca for me. Yeah, so you got uh you got one you got actually two voters today. Okay, I appreciate your call. So we might we might determine the whole outcome <laughs> You right might. Here. With low turnout, that's possible. It's 11.56. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF. Mission accomplished. Another 
fine broadcast. Tomorrow will be another great broadcast with something very, very special. Because tomorrow will be, in my opinion, a very special day with an honored guest. So you won't want to miss that. Meantime, enjoy your afternoon. I'm Bob Joseph, listening to News Radio. WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.